Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Welcome to episode 35 of Let's Talk Loyalty. And I'm delighted, first of all, today to have my first return visitor as a guest back on the show in the form of Charlie Hills, who will be well known to many of you from episode number 16, when Charlie came on to talk about British gas rewards just before Christmas. Now, recently, Charlie's been doing some fantastic work um, as part of Mando Connect, which she will reintroduce for us today, but also with YouGov, which is a UK-based market research agency. So today I'm joined both by Charlie Hills and also by Joe Flagg, who is a senior client executive at YouGov. And we're going to discuss a white paper, which is literally discussing what do the British want from loyalty programs. So first and foremost, welcome to Joe and welcome to Charlie. Thank you. Hi, Paula. Hi, Paula. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Great to talk to you both today. Um, I know you're in sunny England, um, both uh, UK-based companies. So um, I think it might be useful, actually, first of all, maybe Joe to explain YouGov, because as a brand, I know it's one I often thought was actually a government organization. So you'll have to forgive me for that. But I know you do amazing market research work. So tell us a bit about YouGov before we start. Yeah, of course. So, um, YouGov, we're a global market research and data company, um, and our mission is to supply a continuous stream of data, um, accurate data and insight into what the world thinks, so companies, um, governments and institutions can kind of better serve the people and the communities um, that sustain them. Mm -hmm. So, we operate across uh, 44 different markets internationally, and we've actually got over 9 million panellists worldwide who continuously provide provide us with their opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, we can provide, you know, global companies, um, governments with huge insight into um, behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, Loyalty is one area in particular that we've got lots of data on. Mm. Um, And I personally sit within our data products team. So we look after two syndicated tools that um, we, uh, that clients subscribe to. Mm -hmm. So Profiles is like a repository of 300,000 of our most active panelists in the UK and similar numbers in other markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it essentially collects consumer behavior, media consumption data, mm-hmm. which allows companies to understand much more about their audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have a brand tracking tool as well, which is a daily brand tracker, mm-hmm. again, operating globally across uh, 43 different markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that allows brands to stay on top of um, the public perception, um, basically see whether their campaigns are moving the dial mm-hmm. um, and, and see how their kind of sector is changing. Wonderful. Okay, Joe, thank you. It's a, it's a brilliant, very comprehensive introduction to YouGov and your global profile. And Charlie, tell us all about Mando Connect. I can't believe I'm your second. I'm in back again. It's so exciting. Yeah. Episode 16 seems a long time ago. It sure um, does. But glad to be talking about something different today. Um, I head up Mando Connect. We are a loyalty specialist uh, brand partnerships uh, agency. We're based in the UK, as you said, um, and we're privileged enough to work with the brands like Vodafone, TK Maxx, uh, British Gas, um, and we do sort of partnerships and partner rewards for them um, in the UK and then um, globally. 
as well. So yeah, we're really excited to be back. And um, we work with YouGov a lot. They're one of our favourite um, research companies. Their um, their consumer data is you know is pretty much second to none. It's um, it's Amazing. a fantastic tool for us. So uh, we are really excited here to talk to you about our latest research. Great, absolutely. And I know, in fact, that YouGov um, is listed as the most quoted market research source in the UK. So um, we're, we're adding to that and, and super happy to be able to. So we are here to talk about the uh, the white paper, as I mentioned. And I know, Charlie, you you literally wrote that paper uh, based on the data from YouGov. But before we get into the white paper at all, um, as you know, we always start the show talking about our favorite loyalty statistic. So, Charlie, why don't you, first of all, give us what is your favorite loyalty loyalty statistic of the moment? That's a really hard question to ask a complete loyalty <laughs> data nerd. I probably had to kind of sit there and scratch my head and think about it. Um, sure. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't choose one from our current um, white paper. So what the British want from loyalty programs 2.0, we published it this year. Um, and I think my favourite stat um, within that paper was that um, for the British, mm-hmm. uh, the most important thing to get right in loyalty is your rewards. Um, 69% of Brits think that getting your rewards and benefits right is really important to them when mm-hmm. choosing to join or stay as a member of a loyalty programme. Wow. Okay. Well, super compelling. There's nothing, um, nothing unclear about the message coming through, eh? No, not at all. I think for a long time, we've seen it in a lot of qual, we've seen it in a lot of client-specific quants. Um, but actually, the most important thing to get right is what you offer your members and, and what they take home at the end of the day. The way that you offer it is also important. The way mm. you communicate it is really important. But I think the research very, very clearly told us yeah. um, that the number one thing to get right is the rewards and benefits that you're offering your members. And, and hopefully, loyalty marketers everywhere, particularly at the moment, will be really looking at you know what they can offer their members and, and how they yeah. can add real value um, to them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it is quite, um, you know, understandable. We're all human beings. We all want to know what's in it for me. So given that we're the ones providing the data, we're the ones reading the communications, we, we literally want to know, you know, so so what do I get back? So, so brilliant. 69%. Fantastic. And Joe, you must have a, a compelling statistic as well after all this hard work. So tell us what's uh, your favorite. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I also thought I'd stick with the theme and pick a statistic from the white paper, which I found kind of most interesting. Mm-hmm. So one I found quite fascinating was that uh, in the UK, 18 to 24 year olds are the most unengaged when it comes to loyalty, mm-hmm. with only 49% of men of that age group um, actually being members of a loyalty program, wow. with 57% of women of that age group. But the thing that was really interesting, mm. which was highlighted in the white paper, uh, was that surprisingly, this age group are actually the most, li- most likely to think that uh, loyalty programs are a great way to reward customers. Um, So I was kind of thinking about this and and what this really means. Mm. Um, Are these people just eventually going to become members of loyalty programs as they get older? Or is it um, down to actually what loyalty programs are Mm. offering? Mm -hmm. Um, We we know from the data that um, this age group are are much more interested in accessing stuff through apps and technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And also some of their attitudes are kind of focused around social good and social purpose. Um, So uh, I thought that was quite an interesting stat from the white paper. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that age profile, I mean, I know it says it in the report, they are the customers of the future. So if we're not successfully engaging them at this point, well, then definitely alarm bells need to be going off. So it's amazing to have that clarified so soon. So, So thank you for that. 
Um, so I think what I'd love to start with actually um, is probably just around that there's a whole load of programs and, and classifications of programs in here, um, everything from personalized programs and milestones and subscription programs. So maybe we should just, um, Charlie, if you don't mind, just kind of talking us through the types of programs that are available in the UK market, um, just to kind of um, illustrate, I suppose, as you know, you know, a lot of my listeners are around the world. Um, and I think there's some very interesting models emerging maybe in the UK that you work on that mightn't be as popular in other parts of the world. So would you, would you talk us through some of that before we get into the detail? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we're really privileged to work in the UK. It's probably one of the most diverse um, loyalty markets in the world. And I think it's it's certainly an area where we've seen huge amounts of innovation in the last sort of three to five years. Um, we, as part of our, our research, did an exercise um, before we actually went to consumers mapping out the biggest loyalty mechanics that we see in the UK um, at the moment. And we identified sort of six key models. I think had we looked at this sort of five to 10 years ago, we probably would have been at points. Points is the only model. And actually, we've seen an explosion um, of yeah. new mechanics across all different sorts of sectors. So, the first model um, that your listeners will be really familiar with is the points model. Um, it's mm. by far the biggest um, model in the UK. It's the most sort of popular and well-known mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually asked consumers which mechanics appealed to them. And 81% of Brits said that they found um, points mechanics very appealing um, and, and very engaging to them and they participate in them. And that's probably driven in part by sort of our three biggest programs in the UK and mm. um, our points-based models. So we have Boots Advantage Card, mm-hmm. we have Tesco Club Card, um, mm. and we have Nectar as our three big models. And then obviously we have everything in travel um, mm. and hospitality behind that. So the points is still the dominant um, mechanic in the UK. Mm. But we actually identified sort of five other um, ones that we think are, are quite interesting. So 45% of Brits told us that uh, rewards always on as a model was really interesting too them. And rewards always on is something that we've seen um, really grow in the UK. And it's effectively an engagement mechanic where a brand can say, actually, you are important to me. You are a customer for me. Here is a broad range of rewards and benefits that are always on. They're always available to you. You Mm -hmm. don't have to earn them. There's no earning criteria. There's no points. They're not linked to spend. Um, They are just available. Uh, We're lucky enough to work on two of these programs in the UK that I'd love your listeners to check out. Mm -hmm. Um, Very Me Rewards from Vodafone. And, and British Gas Rewards as well. Two kind of hugely successful programs offering fantastic rewards. You know, in pre-COVID-19 um, times, some of them mm. our most popular rewards were cinema tickets, free coffees, um, and experience-based mm. rewards. And then mm. since we've seen a dramatic shift um, in the last couple of months to during corona um, times, we've now seen a big shift to rewards that you can enjoy at home. So mm. everything from online fitness to subscription models to cooking classes. So mm. Again, that it's a really popular mechanic in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, at number three, we see a milestones model. Mm-hmm. So 40% of Brits told us that the milestone models are, are really important. And this was really started um, in our market, though I'd love to know what the global view is, really in the coffee sector. So buy your sure. nine coffees, get your 10th free. Um, we've seen the popularity of, of this mechanic really explode in beauty mm-hmm. um, care as well. So there's a lot of salon-based um, models where, you know, come mm-hmm. on your ninth visit and get your 10th free. Mm-hmm. Um, McDonald's has probably got one of the best coffee loyalty programs in the UK, the best value. That's buy five coffees, get your sixth free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very interestingly, I know your readers all will be keeping a very close idea on what Shell do, one of the leading loyalty brands in the world. Yeah. Um, in, in the UK, Shell have actually trialed dropping 
in its entirety and they've moved to Shell Go Plus, yeah. which is a milestone-based model with rewards every time you visit. So that's probably the next sort of big sector for us to take on this model um, in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. At number four, um, surprisingly, mm. um, surprise and delight came in um, as a loyalty model, which is almost a loyalty mechanic without a loyalty mechanic. Um, <laughs> I agree. So yeah. Twenty-two <laughs> percent of Brits kind of told us that this was actually the thing that they love most. Yeah. You know, I, I suppose driven by spontaneous culture and the importance of instant gratification, um, yeah. but also the empowerment of frontline staff. So our best example of this in the UK is our Pret chain of cafes and um, and restaurants yeah. and what they do is there the baristas are empowered um, to give away a certain number of hot beverages every day to customers that they want to give them to and so it's a lovely mechanic where you don't know what you're going to get and then you get a surprise um, as part of that and I think it's a mechanic that increasingly we're seeing programs employ within the UK you know that surprising extra connection point that surprising extra reward moment um, that they're using to engage their members Mm -hmm. Uh, at number five we saw subscription Mm -hmm. so 19% of Brits told us that subscription was a really appealing mechanic Mm -hmm. um in every market in the world, particularly at the moment, Amazon are really leading the way here. I mean, it's crazy sure. to talk about a loyalty mechanic without talking about Amazon Prime. We've got enormous penetration in the UK um, yeah. and obviously they've got enormous penetration globally. But mm. big new news in loyalty for us this year was the launch of Tesco Club Card Plus. Mm-hmm. So probably one of the most significant changes um, that Tesco has ever made to the Club Card program. Mm-hmm. And that's a subscription model where you pay a set amount every month and you get 10% off to mm. in-store big shops um, and a range of kind of Tesco only brands as well. So we're all waiting with bated breath um, to see how well that does. Mm. Uh, we also see it in the cinema sector um, in the UK under sort of the limitless type propositions that Odeon have or the unlimited um, proposition that Cineworld has. So you pay a monthly membership fee and you can go as many times as you like, mm. uh, which on the surface looks very similar to the gym subscription model. And, and then you get into this really interesting thing of, of what's a product and service and, and what's a loyalty program. But subscription yeah. is definitely something we're seeing growing. And mm. then finally, tiers. Um, 17% of Brits told us that tiers um, is an appealing mechanic. Mm-hmm. These are normally in our market, a combination of the hotels and airlines programs. So we're normally seeing a combination of points and tiers. But in the UK, we have a really interesting program mm. um, called Sky VIP, who I know is on your hit list to talk to for the podcast, Paula. Sure. Um, but that's probably our only pure tiers model in the UK. Yeah. And what's very interesting about Sky VIP is is that they tier based on tenure and nothing else. So Lovely. the longer you've been with Sky, the, the further you progress up the tiers. So again, that's something really interesting to us. We've, we've got a working hypothesis that actually tiers is so unpopular because of the complexity Mm-hmm. of it okay. um, within the hotels and airlines kind of industry. So actually what Sky are doing is really quite groundbreaking in that they're just tiering on one criteria and, and that yeah. program's going from strength to strength. But I'll let Rob tell you about that on a later podcast. Absolutely. But those are the big six. They are brilliant, Charlie. And and often, you know, I've, I've talked myself to uh, so many kind of business owners and they're like, well, what are the options available for loyalty programs? Because I think there is a certain amount of, of feeling jaded with points, much as we know their value in, in, in you know, providing a currency that's trackable, but it's great to have all six laid out so clearly. So, so thank you for doing that. Um, and in fact, just the subscription one, I did. Um, I wrote an article myself yesterday about uh, the Nespresso 
show subscription in the UK. So that was super interesting to kind of see how that is evolving um, over time. And I'm a, a fan of Nespresso. I think most people are. Um, so yeah, subscription, definitely something coming through. So, um, but listen, you guys did loads of research. Um, I know it was conducted initially uh, before COVID-19 became even, you know, remotely, I suppose, part of our vocabulary. So, um, so maybe Joe, do you want to tell us, you know, how this concept came about? Um, I know the paper was done originally two years ago in 2018. So tell us about um, what's different in this uh, particular set of research and, uh, and, and what was done and how it was done. Yeah, so um, originally uh, we collaborated with Mando. So Charlie kind of proposed the idea of, of producing a white paper specifically on loyalty. Um, at YouGov, we regularly produce kind of new white papers on different sectors and areas that are going to be most interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so um, the, the latest white paper is actually a kind of looking at what's changed in two years. So at YouGov, we've got some standard data points and we're constantly collecting more data about our panel lists. Mm -hmm. um, so what we wanted to do was look at um, the, the first white paper two years ago and compare that with um, today and see what's changed. So some of it focused on actually comparing the same data points, seeing whether more people were members of loyalty programs, mm. um, how that's differed over age, mm. how kind of attitudes towards loyalty programs has changed as well. So from kind of like a technical perspective, mm. um, Charlie obviously did a lot of uh, delving into the data. We then would actually significant uh, test the data to ensure that any movement or trends we were seeing were kind of statistically mm. robust. Mm -hmm. um, one difference with this year's um, white paper was there were some additional questions that were asked mm -hmm. uh, via our panel that were kind of uh, specific to um, areas that Charlie had identified. Mm. Um, so I don't know, Charlie, whether it might be worth you kind of running through those um, additional yeah. questions that we yeah. looked into. Brilliant. Yeah, we um, we talked to a lot of publications actually, and a lot of loyalty program owners, and um, sort of collate where were the where were the areas they were most interested in. So we talked to the guys at the Wise Marketer, we talked to the guys at Loyalty Magazine, we talked to all the brands that we work with. Mm. Uh, we are part of the loyalty panel at the IPM in the UK. So from a sort of a broad range, and um, there were some key areas that that people really wanted to know the answers to. Mm. Um, mechanics that we already talked about actually was one of the main questions. They go. All of us, I think, are often posed by our clients, you know, what mechanic is right for me? So actually, mm -hmm. that was a, a really important new area that we looked at this year. Mm -hmm. um, we also wanted to dig more into rewards. I think they're often the overlooked hero um, mm. of loyalty programs. I think there's a huge amount of focus on platform and, and member experience and, and communications. But perhaps we don't know enough about what types of rewards um, people actually really want. So in this piece of research, we looked at the importance of rewards from yourself, so the brand offering the program versus mm -hmm. partner rewards when you take rewards from another brand and, and give them to your members. Mm -hmm. uh, we looked at what are the emotions that drive that reward preference and, and what do people really want from those brands. Mm -hmm. And we looked at the sort of the characteristics of partner brands um, that people really wanted as well. 
So, for instance, um, I'm sure globally uh, this is a common trend. In fact, we know it is, but we're seeing a rising trend towards people wanting sort of British brands at the moment and are wanting mm. to support um, okay. kind of British businesses, which was in part informed by Brexit. But my hypothesis is it's probably you know, yeah. increased since COVID-19 as well. So we looked at those kind of areas as well. So those were mm. our key things, really digging more into the mechanics and, and digging more into, into the rewards that people wanted and why they wanted them this year. Uh, we found some really interesting stuff. We identified that the three most important um, characteristics that we can see in rewards is about value. Mm-hmm. So 83% of Brits told us that they wanted rewards to save them money. Okay. The second most important thing was about treats. So 53% of Brits told us they wanted that the rewards in their loyalty program to be a treat. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see this in some of the big programs like Boots Advantage Card in the UK. That's entirely predicated on a treat yourself message. Mm -hmm. Um, But also some smaller brands like Paper Chase, uh, which is a fantastic sort of stationary provider in the UK, have a great program, really Mm. true to that insight called Paper Chase Treat Me, um, which is a, a really lovely proposition and well worth a look. And then very interestingly for us um, when we conducted this research, purpose came up as number three. Uh, It's something that we're seeing a lot. There's a lot written about in terms of the importance of loyalty programs to help good causes Mm -hmm. and help support the environment. And Mm -hmm. and it was very interesting to us that this year, 28% of Brits told us that they wanted rewards um, that were something they could give to help others. So charity Mm -hmm. or good causes or the environment. And again, we did this research in January. Mm -hmm. Were we to rerun that question now, I'm confident that those top three variables would be the same. Mm -hmm. But my my hypothesis would be that they would be even higher. So probably 28% of people wanting to help others was the starting blocks. The stuff yeah. that we've seen, you know, and support for the NHS in the last sort of few months, I'm sure that would be much higher. Absolutely. And I know as we go through the conversation, there has been some specific research done in terms of COVID-19. So an update again, even to the white paper. So a huge amount of work you guys are obviously doing to really get under, you know, what's going on for people. What I'd love to ask you about actually, um, Charlie, again, if you don't mind, is um, the particular programs that you mentioned um, that are targeting the demographic that Joe mentioned that are not engaging or haven't been engaging. And you mentioned some fabulous ones such as Boots X and yep. also uh, Beauty Pie, I think, as, as another subscription program. So I'd love to hear any new programs that you're seeing coming out in the UK market that, you know, again, listeners can kind of go, oh, there's a new model. Um, why is it new? What's so innovative about it? So just a couple of uh, guidelines from that so we can go on and do a bit of research on those. Yeah, great. Um, I'm also really happy for anyone who's listening to follow up with me directly as well. You can easily find me um, through Paula's um, podcast link if you've got any sort of specific questions. I think 18 to 24 is such an important um, age group for loyalty as a whole. I think there's been a hypothesis that as they get older, they will just join. And actually what we're seeing is some fundamental differences in attitude and desire in this age group that Mm -hmm. that we think are going to stay as they get older. And I think it's really important, you know, Paula, you said these Mm -hmm. are our members of the future. We've got to do some things that, that engage them. And I think we have to think differently um, as loyalty marketers about what does engage them. So some of the programs um, that, that we've looked at in the last sort of six months that have been doing very interesting things um, are thinking very differently about loyalty. Mm-hmm. I think the first one I'd want to call out, um, as you said, is Boots X. Mm-hmm. So Boots Advantage Card is one of our biggest programs in the UK. It's one of our most loved retailers. We all grew up with it. Um, and Boots has recently 
recently launched a new sort of campaign, a new area within Boots Advantage Card called Boots X. It's social channels only. It's mm-hmm. beauty only. Um, it has a very, very different tone of voice. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievably cool. And it's all about the kind of latest beauty drops, the latest beauty products and the latest beauty news. Mm. It's very hard to find. You need to be on social channels to find it. So start on Instagram. <laughs> Don't Google. If you Google Boots X, you won't find it. That's not how 18 wow. to 24s find information. Wow. Um, so have a look at it. It's also on the Boots website and you can sign up directly under Boots Advantage card. Um, but again, that the communications that are coming out and the brands that they're focusing on are so different um, for Boots. And, and we have really high hopes that's going to engage and it's right in its infancy. You know, it's brand, brand new news. So over mm. the next 12 months, we're really looking forward to seeing um, some big things. Mm. The, the next one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go on. Uh, no, I, I was just thinking, Charlie, I might have to join Snapchat now just to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> just to try and find oh, it. Oh, God. Exactly. I was avoiding the that. The products are awesome. The products are totally awesome. Brilliant. Um, in, that, in that same beauty theme, I would really recommend checking out Beauty Pie, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really complex complicated, unbelievably successful um, new type of subscription model. It's the only one of its kind. So we didn't actually research it as a mechanic. Um, But effectively, what you do as a member is you choose your membership level. Mm -hmm. You pay according to that level. So £5 a month, £10 a month, £15 a month. And what that enables you to do is to access different levels of spend. So if you pay £5 a month, you can pay a certain amount. You can get a certain amount of spend that you can spend every month. If you pay £10, you get a higher level of spend and and extra benefits as you move up the chain. And what you can then spend your money on is fantastic premium beauty products at factory prices. Wow. So the retinol range is awesome. I use that personally. I'm not assuming that any 18 to 24 <laughs> does, um, yeah. but the kind of the skincare ranges are fantastic. The fragrances are fantastic. And, you know, and they're all around the sort of seven to 15 pound mark for yeah. products that are worth kind of 80 to hundred pounds mark. So it's a really interesting program. And I think what I particularly like about it is we all have this working hypothesis that simplicity is really key to engage yeah. this audience. They're all about instant gratification. And they're all about simplicity and, and you can only hold their attention for sort of a couple of seconds. And I think programs like Beauty Pie show yeah. that actually that just isn't true. Like if yeah. you get the proposition right, you engage them and, and you interest them, then actually they are willing to put in some real legwork yeah. and, and some real thought um, and some real kind of money into actually getting kind of programs to work for them. We see a lot with Secret Cinema in the UK as well, which is on a similar sort of trend. Again, hugely popular um, with 18 to 24s. It's not a loyalty program, but it's, it's where they create immersive live um, cinema experiences for movies and the amount of legwork that they see from 18 to 24, not only to get tickets, but at the events and and the preparation that goes into it is really quite extraordinary. So I think they're quite great because they they bust the myths that, you know, it has to be instant gratification and and it has to be simple. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, have you another one there, Charlie? Do I hear I you? Have... One more that Go I check on. out, and then I'll start talking. There's one called Voxy Drop. Okay. So Voxy is a really super cool telco network um, aimed at 18 to 24s. Um, and what Voxy Drop does is basically break every single rule in loyalty. Everything you wow. think you know, you no longer do. So it's spontaneous drops, weird and wonderful, exciting rewards, all backed up by incredible kind of social media um, campaigns. Wow. You never know what's coming. You never know what you have to do to get it. And again, kind of a hugely successful program. So that's at the opposite end of the spectrum. Well worth looking up. 
Fantastic. And it's it's rare that a, a telco can really be um, described as sexy and exciting. So <laughs> well <laughs> exactly. done, Voxy Drop. That's amazing. <laughs> Voxy, yeah. <laughs> and I have to say what was going through my mind when you talked about Beauty Pie as well. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm really watching subscription at the moment to see that um, mechanic um, evolving. And I'd love to know the P&L behind, you know, factory pricing, for example, you know, if it's being, you know, supported by partners, which I know we're going to talk about in terms of rewards um, or really that whole business model around, you know, are they justifying it on the lifetime value of the customer or is it literally just to get that initial hype? You know, I I don't know, but um, there's certainly, as you said, a lot of creative thinking going into that model. Yeah, definitely. It's, It's definitely one to watch. So what surprised you most, Charlie? I know you wrote this white paper and again, Joe did all the, all the legwork leg behind, I think, on the, on the data. But what surprised you most um, in terms of the conclusions two years on from the original you know, report on what uh, Brits, I think, um, what was the original title? Sorry, Charlie, I know you changed the title oh. from V1 to V2. <laughs> the um, V1 was what the British think of loyalty programmes. Okay. And then V2 was what the British want from loyalty programs 2.0. And I think that was because we had so much um, desire from loyalty program marketers in the UK to understand more about the mechanics and the rewards. We actually realized that the focus of of this report was really about, you know, key insights that mean that we can get programs into a a fit shape Mm. that people will really want to engage with them. Whereas in the first one, we were just kind of wanting to see what people thought of them and if they wanted to engage. So um, yeah, yeah, that was the kind of the subtle shift um, this year. Great. Um, In terms of my most surprising um, insight, it's one Joe and I have have laughed about quite a lot. And I promise that uh, YouGov checked it because obviously (laughs) I am the managing director of a loyalty specialist partnerships (laughs) agency. Um, But the thing that I think startled us the most was how much more appealing partner rewards are than offering rewards from the program yourself. So in the UK, um, partner rewards are 19% more appealing Mm. um, than if you offer them from the program yourself when you're talking to, you know, people who are members of loyalty programs. So this yeah. is an audience that are engaging in programs that they, they, you know, they know loyalty programs well. So mm. 43% of them wanted partner rewards and only 36% of them wanted the brand offering the program to give the rewards. And I Amazing. think that startled us so much. We're actually going to commission some new research um, to find <laughs> out why. People keep Brilliant. asking me why and they ask Joe why as well. And we both sort of go, we don't know. We've got lots of hypotheses, but we, we need to commission some more research to find out what it is. Super. Um, yeah. But we think it's relevance, you know, appeal variety, added value, um, yeah. and, and then the kind of the excitement and new news component. But uh, yeah, we're going to look into it properly. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Charlie, I mean, my own background is very similar to yours in that I was contracting partner awards for originally O2 Priority in Ireland uh, back in 2010. But we had exactly the same um, research conclusions. Mm-hmm. And my own underlying assumption and interpretation was it was the perception of the effort that the brand was going to. So they all know know, okay, great. If I buy this much data, I get another 10% on top, you know, so that kind of felt like, okay, that's a nice to do, but the wow factor of, oh, you've gone out and gotten me something from the cinema or, you know, this gorgeous bar of chocolate or box of chocolates. I think it was the perception that this brand has gone above and beyond. So, you know, maybe just put that into, to your, to your mix. I know there's lots of possible explanations, but I have seen that feedback coming through extensively as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear it at all. And I'm delighted for you. It came out that way. (laughs) Yeah, we were really thrilled. And, you know, we looked at it sector by sector as well, which I think was really interesting because I think one of the hypotheses I had is 
if I'm a brand owner with a program in a somewhat boring sector so let's say energy or you know that O2 priority example is a great one telco then you know how exciting are the rewards that I can get but you know we see it across everything you know in grocery partner rewards are 20% more appealing Mm. in beauty salons you know where people have got great products to offer themselves they're 7% more appealing yeah we really see it in every single sector in the UK so we pushed ourselves really hard on this one and um, yeah I think that's a really interesting insight as well the sort of the perception of the effort that you're making in getting those types of rewards is is definitely something we should add in. Take notes, Joe. We need to add that in. <laughs> and I'm coming to you Note now, it. Joe. So so <laughs> please please reassure us. You validated all of this. What did you find coming through, and and what did you find surprising? I guess with with all of this research two years on. Yeah, I think um, like much of it was interesting to see that um, obviously loyalty was still relevant and still really important. Um, I think that was some, one of the key kind of takeouts initially. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think when we look into the sectors, it was also interesting. So I know that um, from a trend basis, actually um, airlines, for instance, um, there was a significantly higher um, number of people that were now subscribing to airline okay. uh, reward schemes. Okay. Um, personally, I thought it was quite interesting given uh, now obviously the impacts of COVID yeah. um, on those airlines and how that's going to change and how people go about redeeming those um, rewards. Mm. Um, I, I know within the UK, for instance, looking at our data, um, there's been a lot of kind of negativity around mm. airlines. Um, okay. Whereas when I looked at like the US data, for instance, actually, the, the, there was still quite a lot of positive uh, buzz around the airline sector. So okay. um, that was quite an interesting one in terms of looking at specific sectors and that there had been significant mm. growth in that area. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I mean, obviously, my number one stat earlier was around the 18 to 24s, which I do think is uh, an interesting area. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I think as well, as a bit of a summary of why um, rewards are so important and, and what they help brands do. Um, again, we saw that uh, it was the same in 2018 and in 2020 that they really helped build that emotional connection mm-hmm. with a brand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of um important uh, more important now uh than ever before given that uh, the situation we're all in mm. um with covid-19 and particularly mm. if we look at supermarkets there's been kind of a natural emotional connection built with supermarkets given their kind of effort and and operation during this challenging time so yeah. i think that's interesting as well kind of fast forwarding three months around that building of emotional connection absolutely yeah and i know as i mentioned already you did go back and do some work literally in the last three or four weeks i think joe around you know what what has changed overall and and i know it's not just from a loyalty perspective because that's just one of the the various things that uh, that your panel were asked about but what else did you see coming through in terms of how the brits are feeling in the in the current times yeah so it's interesting so um we've actually been um conducting a weekly tracker uh Mm -hmm. focused around COVID 19 Mm -hmm. um and that covers uh things like fear of contracting the disease but but also um looking at things like media consumption and and entertainment um and then likewise we have our our daily brand tracker so Mm -hmm. um, from our daily brand tracker we've really seen um supermarkets and like home entertainments and netflix disney plus for example really being elevated into the top 10 brands across the uk Mm -hmm. um and they've really 
really kind of improve their position as a as a kind of sector. Mm. Um, and and then in terms of um, COVID nineteen specifically, um, we've had a, some other nice case studies. So, for example. Um, Brewdog, which is a, a craft beer company um, within the UK, mm. um, obviously all pubs are shut. Uh, no one can enjoy a pint at the moment mm. um, in a pub. But what they've been doing to really help engage their customers and loyalty is uh, they've opened, like, created um, a virtual pub experience where they're having like Q and As and customers can sign up. Oh, that's um, lovely. I like that. Uh, they've also <laughs> been offering kind of like free beer vouchers for once uh, things get to normal. So um, customers can sign up to that already. And they've been using their facilities to produce kind of free sanitizer. And those kind of activities from a brand, we're seeing clear kind of increases in their positive buzz, their reputation and their impression wow. um, among kind of the, the public. Um, so yeah, that's quite an interesting case study. And we've seen similar trends with the supermarkets really. Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, the virtual pub, first of all, I think is totally inspired. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all spending so much time on Zoom and it gets a little bit exhausting after a while, but uh, who doesn't want to go to the pub? So, <laughs> you know, what a, what a stroke of genius. So I'll definitely be checking Brewdog out. And again, I mean, <laughs> it, it probably is the most obvious loyalty strategy in the world, but free beer. I mean, <laughs> that's just <laughs> super simple and super clever. Um, so that's super. Um, the next part of the, the white paper, I wanted to ask, and it's back to you, Charlie, um, you already alluded to it and it's around the emotional piece, which I know Joe just um, touched on as well. But what um, did you find, um, you know, the members or consumers coming through saying, what do they want in terms of how they're going to feel with these rewards? I think there was some interesting insights in terms of how that was being described. Yeah. I think, you know, we've had a, a long-held belief that emotional connection is a huge part of the reward experience. I think you have to think about what you're giving and, and who you're giving it, it from and how you make that experience emotional, not functional. I think it's probably one of my criticisms, I guess, of the sort of the more old-fashioned points approach in that that can become very transactional. You're almost rewarding your loyalty programs with maths. Now, yeah. I say that as a mathematician and a complete data nerd. I love maths, but if you try and reward me with maths, then I'm, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> thrilled about it. Yeah. Pavel Loss of Shell did a, um, a really interesting speech at the loyalty surgery actually in the UK yes, yeah. um, last year where he talked about, you know, actually we need to make it simple. We, we you know, points are dead on the basis that people don't want to do complex mathematical equations <laughs> and to work out what rewards are doing. So emotion is, is kind of ever more important in that. And I think we identified some dominant emotions that we were seeing um, back in January. So savviness, very much linked to value. We see a real deal hunting um, mentality in, in Britain. Um, mm. 83% of Brits want rewards to save them money and 68% of um, Brits are also making sure they always use all the sales coupons and deals available when they shop. So mm. we are a nation of, of deal hunters. We are really savvy and value is really important to us. So savviness is really key um, in that reward experience. Mm. Um, but the flip side of that is spoiling. I think spoiling is really important. Um, mm, we mm. see a lot of 
of the dominant gatekeeper to the household, um, owning the loyalty um, kind of program membership for the household. Mm-hmm. So in sectors like grocery, pharmacy, retails, we quite often see that the matriarch of the household, the mum, um, mm. doing everything. And actually, we see a very common behaviour um, in all the qual that we run with our clients, which is where effectively the points and then the loyalty equity, however it is, mm. is earned on the household spend. Mm. Um, and then it's spent on treats and things that are either fantastic treats for the family. Mm-hmm. So days out, cinema trips, or at the moment, you know, treat meals and takeaways mm. um, are one of the dominant um, loyalty rewards we see in the UK at the moment. And also kind of beauty treats. So spoiling is really important, I think. And programs need to have that balance of offering value and then offering that kind of that really nice treat um, experience. Lovely. Next yeah. is purpose and altruism. Okay. Uh, I know you've had Crispin from Four Good Causes on here as well. And I think this is something, you know, we work a lot with Crispin and the team. It's mm. a really interesting thing to see. 28% of Brits, you know, they really want to be altruistic. I think we all have seen this in Qual over the last sort of 10 to 15 years. We've all sat there and had research where members have told us that they want to give their awards away to charity. But then what we've actually seen reflected in the analytics is that they don't do that. Yeah. So they actually, they take the rewards for themselves. And I hope that we're at quite a key cultural moment. I think we've certainly seen um, in the last sort of six to eight weeks, a huge rise and altruism of loyalty programs. I think nearly every program in the UK is now enabling people to donate their points and to donate their rewards. Mm. BP um, have just um, announced... Yeah. that all their points can be donated to charities. And then the programs that we have in the UK that are really have this at their heart anyway are going from strength to strength. Um, so the cooperative is a charity-based program. Mm. And they offer, um, have always offered the ability to give away to charities. And we've seen that kind of on the increase. Marks and Spencer's um, Sparks is another program. They've mm. actually added in um, three new charities to their existing charity portfolio, which are all around the NHS and helping those people in need. So mm. 28% of people are really seeing purpose and altruism as, as really important driving emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, we then see excitement. So 26% are then after kind of exciting things. And actually, yeah. what does excitement mean? That's a really hard thing to quantify. You know, for some people, that's rocketing off on a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> and for other people, that is unwrapping a new ice scraper um, for their car that they've received as a partner <laughs> awards from Halfords. Um, but yeah. excitement is a really key emotion um, to tap into. And yeah. then we see fun coming through. Um, you probably would have seen a lot of this in O2 Priority, but fun's yeah. a big part of it. Um, I think the way we're trying to develop this is in the types of rewards that we're giving away, but also the experience of getting the rewards. So huge Mm -hmm. rise of gamification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the, uh, kind of across the piece mm. um, in terms of, you know, play this game to win this prize. Mm. We did the um, the first use of augmented reality uh, in loyalty last year yeah. with British Gas. We're hoping to win some awards for it. You know how it is. You of kind of course. do it one year and then hopefully you get some awards for it the following <laughs> year. But we took, you know, the, one of Britain's favorite things to do, um, the Easter egg hunt. And we created this really cool augmented reality experience with the British Gas brand icon, who's a very cute penguin um, mm. called Will and we yeah. sent him on an augmented reality um, Easter egg hunt. So no matter where you were in the world, you could flip it up. It was all mobile web and yeah. Wilbur could be, you know, running around in your garden or your <laughs> office or your house kind of collecting his eggs. So yeah, yeah. that's a great way of bringing fun in. Yeah. And then we found um, some of the things that clients always ask us about and always come up in propositions and make sense to us as marketeers that should be driving um, emotions for rewards, but actually really aren't. So okay. um, help me improve myself in some way. 
only 16% of Brits think that's an interesting reward motivator, despite it being in a lot of client briefs. Okay. Um, help me relax. Also not necessary as a reward. Only 13% of Brits want that. Okay. And then again, kind of quite interesting in the loyalty space, help me connect to other people. For example, the rewards are shareable or enabling me to do activities with others. Um, even in pre- before Corona times, only 8% mm. of Brits wanted that. So they don't really want to be part of community. We saw that in the 2018 paper as well. They, they just want great mm. rewards to enjoy in their own life. But yeah, mm. discovery, relaxation and connection to others are not really driving forces and then somewhere in between that is um, help me try something new, which is mm. at 19%. Again, a lot of programs mm. try to deliver rewards that are about, you know, try something new today or learn a new skill. Yeah. Um, but again, just not quite so much. I mean, again, it'd be interesting to see the impact of COVID-19 on that data. We've mm. seen a huge rise in the popularity of learner language. Okay. Um, as a reward experience, um, I'm assuming that is largely because people are at home and they want to improve themselves and actually learning a new language is a bit less physically stressful than, you know, hitting your fitness target and doing your <laughs> Joe Wicks PE yeah. lesson every morning. But again, it'll be interesting to see how that changes. But, but those are not as motivating as, you know, altruism, fun, excitement, value. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. A lovely um, range of things. And I suppose it would be remiss if we didn't immediately tell people where they can go and read all of that, because there's a huge mm-hmm. amount of information there. So is it on the Mando Connect website that the white paper is, is best found? It's probably on the YouGov website as well, is it? Yeah, it's on both. Um, you can get it from either. We can pop it in the documents for the podcast as well and the link to it. Great. Um, and then, yeah, the white paper is downloadable and that the white paper looks really at all of the UK population. So it's a broad mm. research piece, mm. um, but all of the data that's in it, we can get at a sector specific level and a brand specific level um, as well. Wonderful. And and one I want to pick up on, actually, just because you talked about, um, we know, as you said, uh, in qualitative research for years, our members have been saying, yes, I want to give my points to charity. And I think what we were missing was the piece that Crispin Rogers has built, which is, you know, they want to give them to a charity that they care about, not just a charity. Like, you know, if I care about, I think you mentioned hedgehogs, which I was surprised <laughs> to hear was a thing. But um, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we all have something that really matters to us. So if I want to give them to charity, I want to give them to the right charity. So you're right. And that's always been there, but the and the facilities and the platforms weren't in place. So so well done to, to Crispin on that one. So um definitely. And, yeah. And you had a great um, I suppose, summary quote, Charlie, as well, in the white paper, which basically said, points aren't dead, but they are no longer alone. <laughs> I think yes, exactly. You did it really well. Great stuff. We debated that one with YouGov quite a lot. I was like, well, yeah, I was like oh, they, I was like, they aren't dominant. And, uh, and Joe was like, 81% is dominant, Charlie. 81% yeah. is still dominant. You can't say they're not dominant, but they're definitely not dead. They're definitely not dead. Well, listen, guys, I have learned so much uh, from all of your incredible work. Um, is there anything else either of you wanted to add before we wrap up? Um, all I would say is kind of if, if people are interested in the COVID-19 related data, um, we're, we've got a big push on to make as much data publicly available and for public good as possible. So um, anyone can come to our website and find tracking data across um, all of the markets we're covering. Brilliant. There's also loads of articles around um, how um, the public are, are wanting to be more charitable, for instance. Or mm. Also, mm. we recently published an article 
article about um, subscription services and actually that um, they're pretty popular among people that are currently working from home and there's been an increase in kind of purchase intent around those types of services. So, Brilliant. yeah, I'll just say... Um, as well as uh, checking out the white paper, check out the YouGov website because there's loads of free um, market research and interesting COVID insight at the moment as well. Brilliant. Great. And thanks for that, Joe. And I know you did mention that um, that you are doing that research in multiple markets. So it isn't just UK specific. People can go on and find that COVID data, particularly for global. So, so thanks a million. Yeah. That's brilliant. And Charlie, any kind of final closing thoughts from your side? <laughs> uh- no, not really. I mean, we love this podcast. I think it's a fantastic format. So thank you so much. It's it's just a brilliant experience. If there's anyone listening here who's thinking I'd like to work with Paula and, and do a podcast or get involved with Let's Talk Loyalty, drop her a note. It's a brilliant process. Um, and I'd also really recommend um, YouGov as a research partner. You know, we are a fairly small agency. And I think what we've been able to achieve with their help, support and guidance um, has, yeah. has been a really fantastic exercise. And I think, you know, we should all be looking at loyalty and we should all be looking at what mm. we give our members um, mm. and probably my lasting thought would be put partner rewards in if you don't have partner rewards in your program um, <laughs> yeah. figure out you know what the appropriate partner rewards should be and, and see how they can add value um, to your membership particularly at the moment Wonderful. Well, listen, I want to thank you both for the enormous amount of work. I know what goes into um, creating a white paper of this depth. Um, It's a huge amount of work and definitely has put both of you on the global stage um, because I'm only aware of your work, in fact, since your first white paper in 2018. So literally just want to say to Joe Flagg from yougov.co.uk and Charlie Hills from mandoconnect.co.uk, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training, both online and in workshops around the world through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 150 executives in 18 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out www.thewisemarketeer.com and www.loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform. Find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews. And thanks again for supporting the show.